your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 436 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And I just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen of the day. And the good news is we've got Ranger hockey back. The Rangers obviously kicking off their preseason last night against the rival New York Islanders. The bad news is just about every single thing that happened in that game last night. There were some positives to take from it. I'm not going to make it sound like it was all doom and gloom, but this is where there's kind of a challenge when it comes to hosting a podcast like this because I got to walk a tightrope here where I acknowledge the fact that this is just the first of six New York Ranger preseason games. There's a lot of guys who are new to the team competing in a New York Ranger game with a New York Ranger jersey for the first time ever. There's some guys who, you know, are making their NHL debuts. I realize it's the preseason, so it technically doesn't count as their NHL debut. But, you know, playing in Madison Square Garden in front of a capacity crowd and being out there for the first time competing at the NHL level, uh, there's bound to be a couple of hiccups and um, a couple of negatives to come out of the game. So I have to acknowledge that, you know, the fact that it is the just the first game of a six-game preseason. But I also have to acknowledge the fact that this was a very disappointing way to kick off the preseason if you're a fan of the New York Rangers, which I can only assume that most of you are. And I think the reason why this game was kind of disheartening to watch and, and just kind of disappointing in general is we saw last season, and really the last couple of seasons, the Islanders have very simply just had the New York Rangers number. They they basically have owned the Rangers. The Rangers went just 2-5-1 and one against the Islanders last year. But more than just the, the record that obviously is less than ideal, it's just the fact that so many of these games, it just felt like the Islanders were in basically complete control from start to finish. And when you look at some of the ways that these games unfolded last season between the Rangers and the Islanders, this one followed a very similar script. Now, the one difference is that I thought the Rangers actually had a a pretty nice start to this game. If you look at the first 15 minutes or so in the first period, I thought the Rangers outshot the Islanders. I thought that they outchanced the Islanders. I thought that the rink was tilted a little bit in the New York Rangers' favor. I realized that, you know, by the time we got to the 15-minute mark of the first period, the Rangers were down one to nothing, uh, you know, on the scoreboard. But I thought overall to that point, the Rangers had had the better of play. And then, you know, the Islanders, they had another late goal at the end of the first period. And just like that, you're down 2 nothing to this Islander team. You don't want to be down two goals to any team in the NHL under any circumstances. But trying to come back against the Islanders is really, really difficult because they're a team that plays phenomenal team defense, as we've seen when the Rangers have played them in previous seasons. And as we have seen, you know, when they're making their march through the playoffs, of course, the Islanders have gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals in each of the past two seasons. So just not a good spot to be in. And like I said, this game just kind of followed a very similar script where, you know, the Rangers, they're trying to get back into it, but the Islanders just suffocate them. They win board battles. They push them around a little bit. The Rangers maybe take a, an undisciplined penalty or two. We saw a little bit of that in this game. Not completely egregious, but at least one or two penalties that the Rangers did not have to take. And before you know it, the game is just a complete slog. And the Islanders being the counterpunchers that they are, they end up, you know, just capitalizing on a scoring chance here or there. They're not going to uh, push the pace. They're not going to trade rushes up and down 
the rink with a team like the Rangers, but they're opportunistic and they cash in. And before you know it, you know, they're building on their lead. It's three, nothing. It's four, nothing. And just like that, the game's out of hand and the game's basically over. And something else that continued to kind of plague the Rangers is that every single time the Rangers play this Islander team, for one reason or another, Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck basically turn into Mario Lemieux and Yaramir Yager in their prime. I mean, that's what it, what it feels like. These guys are fourth liners and, you know, their calling card is to go out there and play physical. They're the quote-unquote identity line for the Islanders. But anytime that the Islanders play the Rangers, these guys also somehow find themselves all over the score sheet. They combine for five points in the game last night. And again, Sezikis and Clutterbuck, hopefully that's it. You know, hopefully this doesn't continue to repeat itself uh, throughout the regular season this year. I could do without seeing Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck stuffing the score sheet every single time that the Rangers play the Islanders. But for one reason or another, they seem to, to score goals when the Islanders play the Rangers. And not even the noted Islander killer, Alex Georgiev, really had any answers for this team in this game. He allows three goals on just 15 shots. And, you know, he came out of the game a little past the midway point in the second period. That was the plan all along. Adam Huska was always going to get into this game. Uh, I wouldn't say it was like a disastrous outing for Alex Georgiev or anything like that. But, you know, you would have liked to have seen him come up with at least one or two of those saves. And, you know, again, an 800 save percentage, it's obviously a very small sample size. It's just half of one game, but that is clearly not going to get it done. And on the other side of the rink, I mean, usually it's Semyon Varlamov shutting down the Rangers. In this case, it was Ilya Sorokin, and uh, then they had a kid get into the game as well. And obviously, the Rangers couldn't get any pucks past them. They had a couple of scoring chances, but just could not convert. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I figure, you know, we could pretty much just kind of go through the game here. I don't want to do a complete play-by-play because -play I'm sure a lot of you watch the game. But, you know, we can talk about some of the highlights. We'll find a few. There were a couple of positives to take out of this game like I was talking about and uh, some of the lowlights as well. And we will do that in just a second here. But first, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And like I said, I don't want to go, you know, shift for shift all the way through this game because, you know, I think a lot of people um, obviously probably watched the game. I'm sure a lot of people were excited to get this season rolling. Preseason game or not, still a lot of fun to see the Rangers back in action against their rival in Madison Square Garden. You know, I mentioned in the intro there about how I thought the Rangers got off to a decent start in this game. And one line that impressed me kind of early in the first 10 minutes or so was a line that was acting as the de facto second line in this game, but will in all likelihood, I mean, pretty much a guarantee, they will be the third line when the Ranger regular season starts. And that was the line of Vitaly Krasov, Barclay Goodrow, and Philip Hedl. Uh, there was a situation early in the game, first couple of minutes, pucks behind the Islander net. Uh, there's kind of a two-on-two -two 
uh, battle for the puck. You know, two Rangers, two Islanders, all sticking their nose in there, trying to get the puck loose. And Vitaly Krasov comes away with it. He's still my dark horse for this season. I think Krasov could have a really nice season depending on how the Rangers use him. And this is an intriguing line that they put together here. You've got two kids with the grizzled veteran in Barclay Goodrow. But yeah, Krasov, you know, he got the puck loose. He spins, kind of makes a little bit of a spin move, uh, moves to the front of the net, sends a pass across the crease to Barclay Goodrow, and Goodrow kind of fanned on it. Uh, like I said, very intriguing combination here, and uh, we'll see how it kind of pans out when the season starts. Uh, maybe at some point, Kravtsov works his way into a top six role. But for now, I, I think this is uh, the way to go. I will say, you know, last season, the Rangers had the kid line is what they called it. And they had Heedle with Kako and Lafreniere. That line didn't really do it for me. I mean, they had their moments for sure, but their inexperience kind of shone through in, you know, certain spots and certain games. And I do like the idea of, you know, taking two kids here. Now, Heedle, I mean, he's going into kind of his fifth year with the Rangers. He's played parts of all the last four seasons with the New York Rangers. So he's starting to get a little bit more seasoning. Kraftsoff is obviously brand new. He made his debut last season. This will be his true rookie season coming up. But you've got Goodrow, the Stanley Cup champion, playing with them. I like him in that big brother role, and I'd like to see what this line can do going forward. I thought they had a strong start to this game, including nearly giving the Rangers a one nothing lead there, as we just talked about. Um... You know, something else that we kind of harp on on this podcast is the Rangers' propensity for taking unnecessary penalties at inopportune times, and in particular, early in the games. I can't even tell you how many times over the past two seasons the Rangers took, you know, a fairly unnecessary penalty within the first five minutes. They got past the five-minute mark here, but just barely. They did not get to the six-minute mark, and Patrick Nemeth actually goes off with a hold. It really didn't seem like much, but he did kind of grab Sezikis. Uh, Sezikis had the puck behind the Ranger net. Uh... So I'll say this, at least it was a defensive zone penalty, but hey, you know what? Welcome to the New York Rangers. I, I don't think uh, anybody on this roster at one time or another over these past two seasons has not taken an undisciplined penalty at one time or another. I mean, there might be a couple of exceptions, but not too many. Uh, maybe Panarin, you know, Panarin is always in the mix for the Lady Bing Award. He takes very, very few penalties year to year, but... Yeah, I mean, a penalty that I don't think the Rangers really need to take. But this was very intriguing. The Islanders, you know, they're on the power play, and the Rangers roll with a top penalty kill unit, at least a top penalty kill unit in this game. I get the feeling it could be different uh, during the regular season when everybody is out there. But the Rangers' top PK unit for this game, at least, uh, involved Mika Zibanejad and Lexi Lafreniere as the two forwards out there. And you also had Anthony Boteto and Jared Tenorti out there as the top two defense on the penalty kill. That obviously will be... Very, very different on opening night in the regular season. I don't think there's any chance that Anthony Potato's out there and Jared Tenorti. Uh, you know, he actually could be out there on opening night because they are playing the Capitals and you got to figure there's going to be some trouble. I would not be completely shocked to see Tenorti uh, on the ice on opening night. Although, if you go by just plus minus, I didn't really see Tenorti do anything egregiously wrong in this game, but he did have a game worse minus three plus minus rating. So, uh, not a banner night for Jared Tenorti. But I thought this penalty kill unit uh, did pretty well here. After Mika and Lafreniere left the ice, you had Chris Kreider and Barclay Goodrow, and I think we could definitely see uh, either or both of those guys on the PK at various points this season. You know, it's, it's hard to say for sure because the Rangers were missing some of their regulars. The entire second line did not play, or what looks looks like it's going to be the second line, Strom, Panarin, and Kako. The entire th fourth line did not play what looks like it's going to be Reeves, Rooney, and Blay. And obviously, you know Rooney's going to be out there in the penalty kill mix, so... Uh, very, very interesting, though, to see some of these guys, you know, Kreider and Lafreniere especially, get some run with the penalty kill unit. Very, very intriguing, and we'll see if that's just a case of, you know, wanting to get them a little bit of work, or if these guys are really in the mix to be out there when the Rangers are shorthanded in the regular season. Only time's going to tell there, but we'll see how it shakes out. And then, you know, the Islanders, the fourth line that 
once again, turns into just world beaters whenever they play the Rangers. They go to work. Uh, they score with some really nice passing. Brock Nelson cleans up from the doorstep. Basically, uh, there was a centering pass to Nelson. It hit Nelson. It bounced off the post, and then it's laying there at Nelson's feet, and he stuffs it home, gives the Islanders a game-long lead with 8.32 to go in the first period. And again, you know, I can't emphasize this enough. I thought up to this point in the game, the Rangers were having a pretty solid start, out-shooting and out-chancing the Islanders. Uh, they did take the one penalty before this, but they killed it off pretty easily. So, uh, you know, again, I, I thought 10, 15 minutes into this game, the, the Rangers were playing pretty strong, and then it just kind of got away from them after that. And like I said, kind of followed a familiar script that we're used to seeing whenever the Rangers play the Islanders. Uh, Will Cooley, you know, he's had some buzz about him. Throughout this training camp, he played pretty well in the scrimmages as well. Uh, maybe a little bit of a dark horse to make the team. I can't really see it happening, but I suppose you can never say never. Uh, he takes a hit near the Islander blue line, but he made a really strong play here. Kept going and ended up putting a shot on net. And, you know, Cooley, again, a little bit of an uphill battle to make the team, but somebody who has really shown pretty well for himself uh, throughout the training camp and throughout the two scrimmages against the Flyers as well. Then we get into some chippiness, or at least the closest thing that this game had to any kind of chippiness, and that occurred when Barclay Goodrow took a five-minute major and a game misconduct for boarding McLean. A uh, bit of a scrum after the play, you know, a little bit of a get-together, some pushing and shoving. McLean had a cut under his, uh, I believe it was his right cheek, but there was some blood there. He ends up going to the locker room. Look, it's a tough call. I mean, I, I don't know that this is worthy of a five-minute major and a game misconduct. I certainly don't think it was dirty or malicious on Barclay Goodrow's part. I think it's a situation where he was lining up McLean for this hit, and at the last second, McLean, you know, Goodrow was going to hit him kind of in his side, and McLean turned, I believe it was to the right, but regardless, he turned one way or the other, and his back was to Goodrow, and at that point, I don't think Goodrow could really stop himself. He had already committed to deliver the hit. He ends up knocking McLean into the boards, and it results in a scrum, and it results in Goodrow uh, being kicked out of the first game that he ever plays with the New York Rangers. So better days ahead for Barclay Goodrow. He did have a, a scoring opportunity, and I think a couple of good shifts with that de facto second line that the Rangers had that will in all likelihood be their third line when the season starts. So, you know, I'd have liked to have seen more of Goodrow, one of the uh, more notable pickups that the Rangers made this offseason, but we'll see more of him as the preseason continues. I suppose the good news from all of this is that the Rangers got some extended work on the penalty kill here. It's obviously good to, uh, you know, get that unit ready to go going into the season. Obviously, you don't want to take penalties, but you don't want to go through the preseason without taking any penalties because then the penalty kill unit uh, doesn't have an opportunity to go to work. But, you know, overall, I thought the PK, that's another positive I can, I can take from this game is that, and I told you there were a couple of positives, but the Ranger penalty kill unit overall, I thought had a pretty strong night. The Islanders were one for four on the power play. The one power play that they score on happened to be this one, the five minute major to Barclay Goodrow, but that's always a tall order, you know, having to kill off five consecutive minutes of, you know, playing a man down and not letting the opposition score any goals. And of course, Casey Sezikis, he scores a goal to make it two to nothing Islanders late in the first period here. But again, very, very tall order to kill off all five minutes. And there was even a five on three in the middle of this here. Uh, Morgan Barron got called for hooking. So then you get a five on three right in the middle of the five minute major. You get a full five on three for a full two minutes, or at least you would have had the Islanders not taken a too many men penalty. But yeah, overall, solid night for the PK and beyond the one for four ratio, because that doesn't really tell the whole story. You could just look at the fact, you know, when the Islanders had the power play, very, very few scoring opportunities to speak of. And that's with the Rangers 
even competing in this game without some of the guys who might be out there on the penalty kill uh, at the start of the regular season. So overall, a good night for the PK and uh, one of the few positives that I think the Rangers can pull out of this game. But, you know, we'll keep talking about everything that happened in this game and a couple of final takeaways in just a second here. But first, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, Cherry barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, and German Chocolate. Know what my favorite flavor is? It's Mint Brownie, because brownies are awesome to begin with, and these are healthy. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out the macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so I'm going to kind of lump the second and third period in together here because it was pretty much more the same for both of these two periods. Going into the second is when this game really kind of fell into that familiar pattern, that familiar script as far as how Rangers versus Islander games have played out over these past couple of seasons here. The pace slows down. The Rangers lose a bunch of board battles. There's barely any scoring chances either way. You know, the Rangers, maybe they take an undisciplined penalty or two. They did that in this game as well. And the game just kind of turns into a slog. That's basically all that happens. And the clock runs out and the Rangers have been shut out by the New York Islanders. You know, they got off to a decent start in the second period, at least with the opening shift. There were a couple of scoring chances. Mika Zibanejad had a chance from in deep, but Sorokin makes the save. And then Lafreniere had a really strong drive up the center of the ice, but Sorokin turned Lafreniere's backhanded attempt aside. Uh, but Lafreniere, you know, good puck handling here, quick moves. And uh, you could tell the defenseman was really kind of back on his heels, not really sure how to deal with Lafreniere coming at him that fast. And Lafreniere kind of weaved around him. So, uh, you know, Take the little positives you can get. Lafreniere at least looked dangerous on this. And, uh, you know, he even last season, even though it was a little bit of a disappointment, he does show those flashes of the great player that he can be in this league and shows you the reasons why everybody was so high on him and why he was a consensus first overall pick. But I mentioned the unnecessary penalties a second ago. Uh, you get Chris Kreider taking a slashing penalty in the offensive zone. And you kind of debate this one way or the other. Uh, the Islander defenseman was skidding the puck up the center of the ice and about to be out of the Islander zone. Kreider's trailing him, and he just kind of slashes him kind of around the ankle area. I mean, I get it. You know, he's trying to slow him down. He's trying to make a play here, but you just cannot do this. You can live with penalties that happen in your own zone when you're trying to prevent a scoring opportunity, but you cannot take them when you're in the offensive zone and about a mile away from your own net when there's zero threat of the Islanders scoring a goal or any team scoring a goal. Uh, and that's kind of what happened here. So you want to see a little bit better from Chris Kreider. It's just one penalty. I'm not going to kill him for it. He's still my choice from captain. I'm not going to do a 180 on that just because he takes a dumb penalty here. But you do want to see this team as they get older, as they mature, start to really limit the unnecessary penalties. It's something that we've harped on on here in the past, but it's something that continues to need improvement. And this is no exception here, this uh, penalty by Kreider. 
And, you know, the Rangers, they actually had a decent scoring chance while shorthanded on the rush here. Filipito goes in up the center of the ice, and he's tripped up by Salo, and he don't crash into the boards really hard. This is a little bit of a scary moment. Uh, the good news or bad news, depending on how you look at this, is that he went feet first into the boards rather than head first. I got to believe that's overall good news because you don't want to mess with head and neck injuries. But by that same token, you know, you go into the boards that hard, uh, very easy to turn an ankle or something like that. But Heedle fortunately was okay. And something that I loved here is that, you know, you had Kreider and Hunt. Dryden Hunt had a saw game. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a second as well. But they immediately went after Saddle, big skirmish behind the Islander net. Uh, by Ranger Islander standards, this was not the nastiest or chippiest of games. In fact, I think I just covered the only two skirmishes that we saw in this game. There was one after the Barclay Goodrow hit, and there was one after this play here where uh, Salo took down Heedle and sent Heedle crashing into the boards. But by Ranger Islander standards, nothing too crazy, nothing too out of control here, uh, at least not in this first preseason matchup between these two teams. You then had a Ranger power play unit of Adam Fox, Alexi Lafreniere, Dryden Hunt, Chris Kreider, and Mika Zibanejad. And I think, you know, looking at this, Three of those guys, you could pretty much pencil into the top power play unit on opening night, that obviously being Kreider, Mika, and Fox. Lafreniere, I mean, maybe. You know, you could put Lafreniere and Panarin out there and make that the top power play unit, but, you know, then Strom loses his spot on the on the man advantage top unit. A lot of different ways you could go, and maybe it's a little bit of an open competition for the Rangers. As far as Dryden Hunt being out there, look, I like the idea because Dryden Hunt is one of those guys who is facing an uphill battle to make the opening night roster. So I think if you're this coaching staff, you have to give guys that are kind of fringe open night roster players an opportunity. And the way to do that is to use them in a lot of different ways. Throw them out there on the power play. Throw them out there on the penalty kill. Just see what sticks. See if somebody like Dryden Hunt can exceed expectations and maybe be a surprise starter uh, when the puck drops for the Ranger opener against the Washington Capitals on opening night. You never know what can happen. Uh, Dryden Hunt, despite having a strong game in this game, and despite being singled out by Gerard Gallant as somebody who stood out in a positive way once this game was over, I still think it's definitely an uphill battle for him. I mean, he could play very well and just not be able to unseat anybody because I'm not sure who in this Ranger lineup, who of the 12 forwards that we have penciled in for opening night is going to come out of the lineup to make room for Dryden Hunt. I mean, are you going to take Sammy Blay out of the lineup? Probably not. Uh, Ryan Reeves. You know, I, I think Reeves is going to be out there most nights as a tone setter. Maybe there's certain games where you feel like you don't necessarily need him and you can throw a Dryden Hunt into the lineup if you want. Uh, Kevin Rooney, you know, he played pretty well for himself and I think that's his job until somebody takes it away from him. I'm all about the open competition and everything like that. But, you know, Dryden Hunt, despite playing very well in this game, I still think very much a long shot to crack the opening night roster. I suppose that if he continues to play well throughout the preseason, and I'm sure we'll get some more looks at him, he can at least, um, you know, kind of improve his standing and maybe be, you know, the 13th forward, so to speak. And if there's a situation where the Rangers feel like they need a little bit of a shakeup or they just want to, uh, you know, there could be an injury or they just want to bench a certain player for a certain game, make him a healthy scratch, Dryden Hunt can maybe step in there, be the first man up for the Rangers. But the Islanders make it three to nothing. There's kind of an odd play here. So the puck is behind the Ranger goal line, and it looks like Mika Zibanejad has a clear path to it. He's going to, you know, pick up the puck, skate around behind the net, and come out the other side. But he just kind of missed it. And then Cal Clutterbuck got a hold of it, brought it in front, and stuffed it home right from the doorstep to make it three to nothing. And, you know, the MSG announcers, Sam and Joe, I think it was Joe was saying that he thought that Mika had his stick lifted, but I really didn't see that happen. I mean, it's possible that I missed it, 
But, yeah, one way or another, I mean, it looked like it was going to be uh, basically a free puck for Mika. He was just going to be able to pick it up and, like I said, skate around behind the net, get it out of the zone. But for one reason or another, he just was not able to gain possession of it. The Islanders do, and Clutterbuck makes it 3 to nothing. And this was the point in the game where Alex Georgiev was pulled. It was a little bit past the halfway point of the second period. And this was the plan all along. I mean, Adam Huska was going to play in this game at some point. And again, a little bit of a disappointing performance from Alex Georgiev. You would have liked to have seen him exit this game after making a fantastic glove save or something like that. But alas, it was not meant to be. He gives up the goal here. He comes out and he has to see on the bench for the rest of the game. Adam Huska, for anybody wondering, 24 years old, seventh round draft pick by the New York Rangers back in 2015, has yet to make his NHL debut. He appeared in 13 games with the Hartford Wolfpack this past season, went 9-4, and four, had a goals against average of 2.70 and a save percentage of 890. And then, you know, the third period, like I said, it was pretty much uh, more the same as what happened in the second period, but... Clutterbuck, you know, he gets a centering pass to Johnson. That makes the score four to nothing. All of the Islander goals in this game really seem to kind of come out of nowhere, which could be a positive or a negative, depending on how you look at it. The reason it could be a negative is it might suggest that the Rangers were caught a little bit flat-footed at various points in this game. But the reason why I'm going to look at it as a positive and kind of take this glass half full is these Islander goals didn't come as the result of the ice being tilted and the Islanders just applying tremendous pressure to the Rangers and the Rangers having no answer for it and the Rangers skaters just being completely gassed near the end of a shift and just unable to keep up with the play. It was nothing like that. These were kind of quick strikes completely out of nowhere and that's how the Islanders kind of took it to the Rangers in this game. All four of the goals that the Islanders scored really fit that description. It wasn't a case where, you know, the Rangers were back on their heels for, you know, a minute or a minute and a half at a time and the Islanders just inevitably scored, which would suggest dominance. And I don't think the Islanders completely dominated. I think it was just kind of a situation where they were opportunistic and they had a couple of quick strike goals and capitalized on the opportunities that they had. As far as, you know, another positive, I think, you know, even with the Rangers down 4 nothing, nobody quit on this game. Everybody was, you know, putting their best foot forward and trying to get the Rangers back into it, trying to get that first goal of the preseason. The Rangers had back-to-back power play opportunities. Kraftsoff drew a penalty and the Islanders killed that one off. But no more than, I would say, 30 seconds after that power play ended, the Rangers got another chance on the man advantage. Julian Gauthier drew a penalty. And there were a couple of good chances for the Rangers on this power play opportunity. Uh, Lafreniere made an excellent centering pass to Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad let it fly from the slot area, but he was denied. Uh, that was the Rangers' best scoring chance in a very, very long time in this game. But then just after this, uh, some more good passing from the Rangers. We had Alexi Lafreniere from the right circle, passing in deep to Chris Kreider, who was a little bit behind the goal line there. And Kreider puts it back in front for Dryden Hunt. Hunt was denied from point-blank range. Like we said, you know, I, I think Dryden Hunt did have a strong game in this one, and I would agree with Gerard Gallant that he was one of the Rangers that stood out in a positive way. Would have been awesome to see him get a goal here. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be, but... Yeah, that's pretty much it for today, guys. I mean, at a certain point, I don't really know what else to say about this game. If you guys watched, if you, if you missed this game, basically just look at any game that the Rangers lost to the Islanders last season and picture that game in your head and copy and paste, and that's basically the exact same thing that happened in this one. Sooner or later, the Rangers have got to figure out a way to flip the script on the Islanders. They've got to change the narrative get this thing turned around somehow. I don't want to keep coming on this podcast and just kind of throwing up my hands and saying like, oh, well, you know, this isn't a good matchup for the Rangers right now. Sooner or later, you got to figure out how to beat this team. I don't want to just accept the fact that the Rangers are going to go like 1-4-1 and against the Islanders this year. Like we already mentioned, they were 2-5-1 and against them last year. But, you know, again, there's just too many games between these teams where, you know, the Islanders, they don't necessarily 
blow them out on the scoreboard, although in this game they did, but it just feels like they just have complete control from the opening face-off to the final horn, and sooner or later that's got to change. And one thing that I can suggest here to maybe try to get this thing turned around a little bit, and I'm not advocating senseless violence here, but as we all know, fighting is a part of hockey, and the Rangers went out of their way this offseason to make this team bigger, tougher, stronger, nastier, more difficult to play against, the whole nine yards. You guys can use whichever adjective you want. You get what I'm saying here. And obviously, that's what the Rangers, that's what their MO was this entire offseason. And so you have that on your side now. So maybe at a certain point, whether it's Ryan Reeves, whether it's Sammy Blay, and obviously they didn't play in this game, but at a certain point, you know, maybe somebody challenges Cal Clutterbuck to a fight. Maybe somebody challenges Casey Sezikas to a fight. And again, I don't want the Rangers out there just taking runs and putting dirty hits on people, but something has to change here. You have to find a way to get the Rangers all jacked up, feeling that they're in these games with the Islanders, feeling that they can go toe-to-toe with a good, strong team like the New York Islanders, and just going out there and expecting to win and not falling into these early holes and then trying to have to climb out of them against a team that excels at playing with a lead, a team that excels at playing good, strong defensive hockey. You got to find something. You got to find a spark in one way or another. Maybe Ryan Reeves dropping the gloves or somebody else on this team dropping the gloves sooner or later is the way to go. Save that for the regular season, I would say. I mean, the Rangers play the Islanders one more time in the preseason finale. Save it for the regular season, but sooner or later, something there has to be some kind of a jolt for this Ranger team when they're playing the Islanders. Something has to change, and maybe that's a way to make it happen. And, you know, when the Rangers play the Islanders later in the season, we'll come up with some other ideas as far as uh, how the Rangers can get this whole thing turned around because it has not been pretty over the past couple of seasons. The Islanders have completely dominated this rivalry. And as we already mentioned, not even the noted Islander killer, Alex Georgiev, had any answers in this one. A couple other notes here before we call it a day. We'll just kind of run rapid fire through all of these. The Rangers won 54% of the faceoffs in this game against the New York Islanders. So again, we've, we've kind of sprinkled in a couple of positives to take from this game, and there's one more for you. Uh, the Rangers, an area where they struggled mightily last season. They were dead last in the NHL in winning faceoffs, and they had a good night on the dot. They at least won some offensive zone draws. There were a couple times where the Rangers were on the power play, and that's when faceoff wins are amplified that much more, and the Rangers came up with some big faceoff wins in those situations. Tuesday's episode was actually recorded on Sunday, and we mentioned in tomorrow's episode, Tuesday's episode, that the Rangers sent 13 players either to the Wolfpack or to their respective junior team. You'll hear all about that in tomorrow's episode, as well as best and worst case scenarios for the Ranger fourth line of Ryan Reeves, Kevin Rooney, and Sammy Blay. Uh, but on Monday morning, this just happened a little bit while I was recording this, actually. The Rangers once again trimmed the training camp roster. Matt Rempe heads to the Seattle Thunderbirds of the WHL. Carl Henriksen goes to Frolunda of the SHL. So the Rangers started training camp with 60 players. They are now down to 45 Big news here as well. The Rangers have announced that Henrik Lundqvist will have his number 30 retired at Madison Square Garden on Friday, January 28th. So definitely mark your calendar there. Uh, the Rangers are playing the Minnesota Wild that night. So it sounds like Matt Zuccarello will be in the building. And I also, you know, I hear that and I have to wonder if Lundqvist and or Zuccarello specifically requested that, that his uh number be retired on a night where Matt Zuccarello is going to be inside Madison Square Garden because we all know how close Henrik Lundqvist and Matt Zuccarello 
were and probably still are. Uh, you know, maybe it's a situation where the Rangers thought of that themselves, that, hey, you know, Matty Zuccarello is going to be back here. Let's go ahead and uh, retire the number when he's here and, uh, you know, make this as special as we possibly can for Henrik Lundqvist and for New York Ranger fans and for Matt Zuccarello, too, for that matter. But obviously, that's going to be a, a very fun night, very emotional affair, and you hope that uh, the Rangers are inspired by that and they come out and play a strong 60 minutes and take two points in the Minnesota Wild on that night as well. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. And thank you for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen of the day. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.